Okay, Reg. Are we all set? Hold on. Whoa, I have major readjustments here. Hold on a second. <clears throat> I got something stuck in my... You don't have any floss, do you? <laughs> something st- stuck in my tooth here. <clears throat> you know, and that's going to bug me the whole day now. <laughs> no, nope, won't come out. I'll have to floss it later. First world problems, right? This is the. These are the problems that I must face on an early day, having to talk for the next hour with, um, knowing there's something stuck in my tooth, and I'll be uh, feeling it and thinking about it for the rest of the time. But I won't let on during the podcast. The audience will not know that, but you and I will know that as I'm speaking, my tongue will be hitting whatever is in between one of my teeth right toward the front there. (laughs) So much for my dental updates. Let's do a podcast, okay? I'll give you the uh, (laughs) the three S's in the countdown. You give me the music, I'll give you a podcast, okay? Put it in the books. 305, 305, all right? You ready? Let's do this thing. Star, smile, strong. And here we go. Three. Two, one. Hey, it's Elton Jim Toronto, and this is Captain Podtastic. And welcome to another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com. Or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. Of course we're there. Where else would we be? But as long-time and learned listeners know, just hitting play is not the extent of your responsibility. No. you got to get out there. Spread the word. Send a link. Send a message. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell anybody. Who listens to a podcast and your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. And it should be theirs, too. Your loyalty and devotion is much appreciated. And, of course, if you like what you hear, go back and hear what we've done before. See where we've been to know where we're going. Go to WGNRadio.com. Go to the podcast section. Hit the prompt for this podcast. And you will find all or close to all previous episodes that we have created and archived and saved for posterity so that you can listen and binge and enjoy what we've talked about low these last almost six six years to the date. There should be about 304 in there, which means welcome to 305, 305. So um, here we are once again in Oscar season. Now, I know you're probably saying, the what? That's, that's, That's the way I have reacted to this Oscar season. The what? The The what? Uh, it's you know no question the last couple of years has been um the last couple of years have been let me say that grammatically correct 
<laughs> the last couple of years have been uh, just confusion for whatever we have thought about as something normal, in quotes, or routine, or annual. Everything's been thrown up for grabs. Everything's just been up in the air. And there's been postponements and cancellations and reschedulings and everybody is trying to do things and and trying to get back to normal and I've talked about normal and really there you know there is no normal anymore and there can't be normal when you know we've got things going on that are going on in Ukraine right now cuz that ain't normal so this is a very just uncertain time and and we, we it was already that way and now you throw COVID on there the last two years, and now we're past the two-year mark. And have you heard the latest? While everybody is throwing away their masks, literally, I think, at least it seems that way, certainly all the governmental people are throwing away masks, mandates flying by the wayside left and right everywhere. And in the midst of this, once again, we're hearing of a variant, another variant cropping up in Europe. And if anything, if, if, if we look at the history of this, we see a pattern here. I know we're in denial. I know this time we have, you know, we are up to here and my hand is over my head right now by four feet. We're up to here with, you know, COVID and mandate and masks and all this stuff. But it's clear this isn't going to go away completely. And yes, while the severity of it seems to be weakening at times, um, we still have to realize that COVID is around. People are still getting it. I got it. At least I think I got it. I don't believe I got it. I talked about that. That's why I say go back and listen to, go back into the archives and listen just a couple of podcasts ago. I still don't know if I had COVID. <laughs> I don't know if I if I if I'm if if I do have if I did have it. I I don't know if I'm glad. Maybe I have a, a an extra immunity because I have been boosted. But um, that's beside the point. Uh, it's clear this just isn't going away. And you know, hopefully, the severity of it is lessened thanks to the the vaccination and the uh, and maybe another booster and I'll be first in line to get that booster even though I have it and I have this super immunity or whatever I have I don't care I will get reboosted I don't want to get it I was lucky if I did get it I don't even know if I had it so that's not a bad way to have it the only way I know I had it was I tested positive but in in terms of physical manifestations uh you know I had a little sore throat it was it was bad for about a day but my gosh, I wasn't in a hospital. I was not a ventilator. Uh, I, I didn't have recurring or long COVID. I, I don't have any uh, you know, symptoms now that are lingering. So if I had it, I had it in a good way. But hey, that's a crapshoot. And don't forget, we're still not overly vaccinated in this country. We are not even close. Uh, you know, still about two-thirds... Uh, uh, you know, of, of only two thirds of the people have been vaccinated, and only half of those of eligible for boosters have been boosted. So we, we, you know, and I've talked about this. So it is what it is. But I said to you a few weeks ago, 
or a couple of you know three months or three two or three weeks ago or whatever in podcasts that uh, you know okay. I know we're 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 dropping all these mandates and we're all thinking that you know this the the cases are going down and it's all over but history has shown that this thing does not go away and I expected a surge to happen here by June or July and I will stand by that cuz it's March and it's over in Europe and it's beginning to spread and numbers are even going up here apparently in in New York and New Jersey and around the country the cases are going up. People aren't being necessarily um, hospitalized at, at, at huge rates now, but it's it's still around, and it's going to come back. And, and, and everybody was so quick to throw those masks away, and I got news for you. You're going to wind up pinging them back. I have not stopped wearing my mask. I still wear two masks. Yes, I do. And I've had COVID and suppose, and I've been boosted, so I'm supposedly you know, super immune, and I'm still wearing two masks and i told you before several years ago in the start i will be wearing my mask for years even after if it does finally disappear and become negligible when i go to major areas like airports and even grocery stores i will still wear my mask so anyway but that's not what i'm here to talk about today uh but covid has run amok with with many of our our um societal types of um, reliable events, right? And uh, the Academy Awards have fallen prey to this. And I have to say, now, you know, I've talked about the Academy Awards on several occasions over the last, you know, six years. Uh, We've talked about it just from a standpoint of... uh, you know, of predictions and who's going to win and who's that. And I've always talked about uh, that. that I, I, I talked about even before that I felt that they didn't need a host. And then, of, of course, they didn't have a host for a couple of years <laughs> because of COVID. And it's been a very strange, They you know, they, they've kept the Oscars going. This year is the 94th year, I believe. And, uh, you know, they, they've kept it going. Uh, they want to to keep that streak going but you know it just seems like uh the you know the the movie business has been truly decimated i believe by uh by covid and they'll they will probably try to put a you know a a, a bright face on it oh no and they've you know we've talked about this before you know uh with streaming and and first run films in the home now and and dates and, and you know that 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 window of when it was first a first run uh, movie would be at the theater and now it's it, 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 been cut in many ways even though they're starting to to now get more back to the the original model of about forty five days or so that it was exclusively in theaters before it came home but uh, COVID forced the hand. I think it, things were moving that way, but COVID certainly fa- forced the hand of of getting first run films into the home quicker uh, than they used to be. But the, the whole the whole movie uh, system, the the production of movies, the the filming of movies, 
Movies have been delayed. They have been shut down while they were filming. Tom Cruise movies, I guess Mission Impossible, you know, have had COVID run through them. They've had to, you know, shut down production and, and movies have been held back for many years. Still, we're waiting for, um, Tom Cruise's uh, sequel to Top Gun, which was supposed to be out at least a year or so ago, and then it's supposed to come out this year, and it's been delayed again. Because even these big movies that were made just before COVID hit, you know, the numbers are there. Certainly the new Batman film has proven that, um, uh, and the the uh, Superman movie have pro- has proven that uh, people will go to theaters, but, don't, but once again, look at the film's, that are drawing that. They're all comic book films. They're all aimed at young kids, even though older people go to those as well. Uh, when you're seeing you know billion dollars at the box office, that's not being generated by 30 or 40 or 50-year-olds. That's being generated by, by teenagers who want to just get out and get away from their parents. And so that's why the movies that have made the most money have all been action films, and most of them have been superhero cartoon based like spider-man and batman and james bond all in that same kind of genre and as i've said many times it seems that that's going to be the way of the movie theater you will see big uh youth oriented uh superhero action films be playing at uh, movie theaters and you will probably see uh comedies and certainly dramas uh, may get a token release at theaters, but they will probably go right to uh, streaming at home because that's the, that's where that audience is. They're not going out to theaters anymore, and they they with the luxury of having it at home, that's the most convenient way to do it. So I know I understand that the Oscars have been in a in a in a quandary because. Um, you know, there's been this this movement. You remember when COVID first started? Oh, we have to have baseball. It was right. You know, it started right when spring training was in was right in the swing, and the season was supposed to start uh, in early, you know, late March, early April of twenty uh, of twenty twenty, and then they delayed it, and then they did wind up a, a you know sixty sixty game season later in the year with no with no crowds there, and um, but everybody was saying how oh well we need baseball. We need baseball to feel normal. Um, you know, we're all locked up. We need baseball. Baseball will help us get through this, uh, you know, this lockdown. And it didn't. The first couple of days, it was a novelty. And then the, it, was, it, it, just, it went by the wayside. And, you know, everybody talks about, you know, baseball or sports, you know, helping us bring back normalcy. And movies fall into that category as well. But... It just seems like that industry, and we've seen sports now come back, and, and crowds are back there. But you know, most of those most games are outside, and sports fans are rabid, and and you know, movie theaters are indoors, and you're right on top of each other. And I think people that go there are like, well, you know, why should I risk that? I, you know, you, if I want to see it, you know, seeing it, yes, on the big screen, no question, much better, much different experience, but. If it's not a big, loud, action-packed film with special effects and 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 big, uh, you know, sound effects as well, if you're watching a comedy or you're watching a drama, you know, aside from the largeness of the screen, 
you can get sort of the same impact if the drama is good by watching it on your on your screen at home and and today many people have at least 50 or 60 inch screens not watching movies on 25 inch or you know 13 inch screens at home anymore so uh the movies have been in a in a very odd space they're trying to find their well here's the, the, the biggest they have there's there's two things going on in the movie world right now how do we get by in the present and how are we going to advance in the future and i don't think they have the answer to either one of those right now they're trying their best movies are released at theaters only initially but uh aside from as i said before the big tentpole franchise superhero fantasy films no one's going to see the theater no one's going in the theater and these other ones that are shown in home they gain some buzz but they don't what really you know what's funny is i'm always bemoan every time you watch the news on a sunday they will say oh and the weekend box office receipts and they'll rattle off these millions millions of dollars in box office things and it almost sounds like such a throwaway like a time filler but now in the last two years what you realize at least what i've realized is while those numbers don't mean a lot to me uh on the face of them, the box office numbers, what they do, they they do carry some kind of a currency, no pun intended. They do carry some kind of a purpose in that they do reflect and do bring attention to movies and how well they're performing, whether good or bad. And it does help in the promotion and the buzz. And I never really, I, I didn't really appreciate, appreciate the full extent of that until now, another COVID lesson learned, because without that little tally, without that little scorecard every weekend, and hearing about movies, and, and, and getting a sense of what are people reacting to, what are people seeing en masse in big numbers, the top three, the top five movies of the weekend, a lot of films are just sort of out there and floating around. And there's not a lot of buzz. And aside from your Spider-Mans and your Batmans, when they make, you know, a billion dollars or a half billion dollars, that makes a headline. And you go, oh, okay, well, I guess Robert Pattinson as Batman was successful. Hmm. Okay. We waited a year or so for that. We know he got COVID during the filming. But it looks like, uh, you know, the guy from Twilight pulled it off. Okay. Maybe I'll see that film. Maybe I'll look forward to seeing the next one. But aside from some of those high-profile types of things, there isn't a lot of excitement in the last two years about movies. Uh, there is a lot of uh, promotion that happens before a film is released, but it just, have you noticed, it just doesn't seem to have that same oomph. And I think that's because the payoff isn't there. And the payoff, it turns out, is 
those box office receipts, as silly and mundane and as throwaway as it sounds, there's kind of a payoff to that. So, you know, for the week you say, oh, there's a new Batman movie coming out and you see the interviews for a week or so and then it's opening Friday and then on Sunday you see, oh, Batman is number one. You go, well, okay, maybe I'll see it. But at least it puts it out there in the public arena. There's a, there's a buzz circulating it around it. And now you don't get that. You get the same the promotion. You see all these people. They're doing Zoom interviews. They're doing some in, you know, you know, in-person interviews to promote the movie. But the idea that it's coming out on Friday doesn't have that same oomph. At least I don't feel that same oomph anymore. And suddenly you realize, oh, that movie's been out for three weeks. And it and, and and it's so hard to navigate now as to what is on television, where, when, because there's so much on. There's so many streaming services. Uh, these things drop with with you know uh, in the middle of a week sometime. You know, uh, unless you're you're really keeping tabs on it, it's hard to keep up as to what is being released. And then there's this mix now. It's not just new series or new TV shows. Now movies have been put in the same bucket, the same release kind of um, schedule. First run, the- formerly theatrical only films have been are now side by side in terms of competition, in terms of scheduling with um, with ten part episodic shows. So even the importance. You know, the movie always had that kind of prestige to it because you couldn't see it at home. It gave it that extra uh, status. Aside from the presentation, as I said before, with the, the giant screen and the, and the effects and the sound and everything like that, when you go to a theater, the largeness of it when you go to the theater, but that, that, that inherently gave movies a leg up on television shows the presentation itself of of uh, and and how you could see it you were you were relegated you had to go out and see that movie you couldn't just sit at home and hit a button and watch it you just couldn't hit a button on your phone you had to go to the theater and then there's that whole experience there with the popcorn and the lines and the smell of the popcorn and the, and the seats and the the trailers and the big screen and the sound and the whole thing. And now that's, that's been diminished. It's not lost. It's still there. That experience is still there. And some have been taking advantage of it as theaters have reopened, but not in the same numbers. That's obvious. So films are now side by side with television shows and documentaries and anything else that's on a streaming service. So the movie, the the feature film, is now lost some of its prestige. And in conjunction, I believe, so then have the Academy Awards. Now this is now the Academy Awards have been under fire uh, for the last 15 or 20 years on a variety of topics and issues about uh, sexism and racism mainly 
that uh, you know a lot of black actors and uh, actresses and overall minorities in general are have not been duly recognized in the nominations or in the victories. Uh, and then, of course, there's been uh, a, a, a whole kind of uh, you know behind the scenes thing of of this Me Too type of thing of how people are, you know, some of the biggest uh, producers in Hollywood have been accused. So movies have taken a hit. The Oscars themselves have taken a hit. A lot of controversy about, uh, you know, you know, minorities and, and, and race being a factor. And then certainly gender, the lack of women, mainly in uh, you know the directing categories not getting their due even though many many women now are directing when it comes to oscar time they have not been as nominated and recognized as their male counterparts so once again as our society has been churning and has been transforming and has been uh struggling with this this shift uh, the Academy Awards have been right in the middle of that and have, in many ways, have helped push these causes into the limelight because in the past, the Academy Awards have been such a a big event, a must-see, must-watch event. And so... The Oscars were important. Well, why aren't these, you know, if, if we're going to change society, uh, one way is we have to make sure that, uh, you know, the Oscars are, are, are so well uh, you know, watched by hundreds of millions of people around the world. So the Oscars should lead the way to social change. But over the last couple of years, certainly because of COVID, the Academy Awards have been at best, at best, following. They haven't been leading anything. And even if, even in, in the last 10 or 15 years when there's been controversy about the Oscars, um, it was because of its prominence. It was because of its perceived importance that it became a big issue about recognizing people of color, of recognizing women. But it was also looking, in, and, and, but by, by, by aiming that, that microscope, it was also showing how the Oscars as, a, as an institution, the Academy Awards as an institution, was slow to change and was sort of stuck in its own ways and there was a lot of calls for change in how uh, the voting process took place, change in the, uh, literally, the complexion and the makeup of those who are admitted, in, admit, admitted into the uh, Oscar voting so that more diverse viewpoints and ultimately choices in films and filmmakers would be represented by the nominees. So there's been a lot of call for change. And the Academy Awards have been slow and, I think, inefficient 
in 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 changing. They've tried, but they haven't really done it. And what we've we what we discovered during COVID, uh, much to I'm sure much to the chagrin of those who run the Oscars, is that maybe they're not that important after all. A lot of things that we put a, a huge amount of importance on before COVID have lost their prestige. The emperors have lost their clothes. We have found out that we can do without some of them, or if not do without them, they're not they're not the events or the moments that we felt were musts that we had to have them. And while sports has certainly come back, we're in the midst of March Madness now, and uh, you know everybody has their brackets, and people love that, and baseball now is, is coming back, a little delayed, but at least it's coming back. And, and now that Tom Brady is uh, unretired, I, there's a lot more interest in the upcoming football season. But I have to say that movies, I, I don't, I just, and, and, and I'm, you're talking here, you know, and I'm talking from the standpoint of somebody who has been a major movie fan so, from when I can remember. As a little kid, my parents took me to films, to movies, uh, as, a, as a little kid. I've been going to movies since, I can't, since before I can remember. Uh, I know I was at least three or four years old going to movies, and I have I have memories of going to those movies. I remember one time, you know, a little kid, you don't you don't know, <laughs> I don't know where, where what that means. I'm, I'm sitting at home with my mom, and she says, "What do you want to do today?" I said, I want, I want, "Let's go to the movies." I was probably six, seven, eight years old. I don't even know, early seventies. And now I have to laugh at it, and you know, wow, kudos to my mom for <laughs> for wanting to please her son. But I, you know, so uh, I saw, I, I guess I must have been, somehow I must have been able to read, right? Uh, because I said, well, here's a movie I want to see. Taste the Blood of Dracula, right? I, I, I loved horror movies when I was a little kid. Taste the Blood of Dracula. Little did I find out now that it was, you know, starring Christopher Lee, who was one of the, the great uh, memorable Draculas of the, in the 60s and 70s. But I'll never forget that title, Taste the Blood of Dracula. And look it up. It's, it's now considered kind of like a B-movie classic. It would be like on Sven now. It's such a bad movie that it's good, you know, one of those. But I said, I want to see Taste the Blood of Dracula. And so my mom, who did not drive, bless her heart, we lived you know, on the northwest side of Chicago, and, you know, we took buses and subways and stuff, you know. And uh, I believe now in retrospect, it was like at the State Lake Theater. Okay, so that's not close to where we were at. That's several buses and, and, and subways. But sure enough, my mom took me downtown because I wanted to see Taste the Blood of Dracula. <laughs> So I've been going to a lot of movies. In fact, you know, um, my parents too. Um, I was an only child, and so as I was, 
you know, my parents wanted to, you know, they wanted to go out and see movies too, right? And you can't always get a babysitter. And so we would go, I would go to see a lot of films that were, you know, were not just Disney G-rated movies. I would go to a lot of R-rated movies. I was seeing the movies that adults were seeing at a, at a young age. And, I, and, and, and you could say, wow, that was pretty, um, that was bad parenting. But I, I would argue that from a young age, I was, now I, I probably didn't get half the things, but I was at least seeing these movies and learning how to, to watch a film, not just look at one. Everybody watches it, but you, you, can, you, you look at a film. And you start to find things at it. You know, most people just watch a movie, but looking at it is where you just start. You start to see what this filmmaker's doing, the way the camera moves. I, I really believe that my appreciation for movies uh, in my later life was first uh, sparked by the fact that I was going to see the movies of the day, even as a young kid. I was exposed to them. Never forget, I went to see, with my parents, I went to see Serpico with Al Pacino. Very popular movie at, at that time. But, uh, you know, that, that was, a, it was, it was, a, it was kind of a, for, for a little kid, you know, I, I was probably 10 or so. Probably maybe even younger than that. And, uh, but there was, a, there was, you know, there was some stuff there. There was a lot of violence. I didn't, I didn't really get the subtext maybe of the film. At ten years old, I didn't fully grasp it, but I certainly was 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 riveted by Al Pacino, and I could appreciate good acting, and I could appreciate when an actor can grab you and 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 keep you engrossed and keep you entertained. That's for sure. And there was a lot of violence in that, and there was even some sexual uh, you know representations there too. I never forget. There is a scene in Serpico, and you talk about you know when you're when you're a little kid. How things stay with you. I'll never forget this. Uh, so I'm with my parents. I don't know if I was in the in between them, sitting in between them. I know my mom was next to me. I don't know if I was in the middle, or if I was. It was my you see my dad, my mom, and then me at the end. But so there's you know watching Serpico in the theater, and then all of a sudden there is this scene, and the uh, the leading lady and uh, and Al Pacino are in a tub, in a bathtub, you know, and this is the 70s when you know nudity was was pretty free movies were starting to you know really and 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 it wasn't and and they really they the camera stayed on the nudity you know it was kind of a badge of honor in the 70s for nudity and uh so there's this elongated scene at least it seemed that way (laughs) probably now it's a couple of seconds but for a 10 year old kid there's this scene of um of uh, you know Al Pacino in, in the leading, and I don't know who the actress is now offhand, uh, but they were in a tub, and she was you know topless. You could see you know, and so I remember, and so you know, we don't know that what's going to happen in this movie, right? So I'm watching the movie, and, and there's this scene, and there's this woman, and you know she's topless, and uh, you know in the tub, and the in the, the camera is just staying there and they're having all this dialogue while she's there topless talking to al pacino and she's making no effort to to cover herself up and the camera is making no effort to um to disguise this it's just there they are 
And so I hear my mom when this, when, you know, on the big screen too, right? <laughs> and so when this, this image pops up, I hear my mom go, <gasps> <laughs> and I was so embarrassed because I, you know, it's like, oof, you know, you're with your mom and there's a, a topless woman there. So that's pretty embarrassing. I don't care how old you are, especially if you're like nine or 10. So I just, when I heard her kind of go, <gasps> and I think I saw her turn her face, but I, you know, I think I saw her turn her head, but I realized, I, I, I don't know, if, I don't know if I fully grasped the, the, the entire situation, but my mom's reaction certainly let me know that this was something that I shouldn't be seeing. And so I quickly went into fall asleep mode. And I really believe that when she groaned, I heard that. I, it, it registered to me that maybe I shouldn't be seeing this. And I pretended like I was sleeping. So I had my eyes closed and I put my head down. Uh, you know, off to the side on the chair, and I pretended like I was sleeping so that when she turned to look, she saw that I wasn't seeing this. And maybe that that, you know, eased her tension or her her fear. Like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm exposing my young son to this nudity here. But I think I had my eyes kind of open. <laughs> so I don't know if I completely fooled her or not. <laughs> I never asked her about that. But I'll never forget that. And then later on, when I, when, when uh, you know, I especially, you know, then Serpico, you know, it, if that was on TV, that scene was always cut. But I remember watching Serpico again, then later, years later, either on uh, VHS, where the whole film was, was uncut, or, uh, you know, on some kind of cable service. Waiting for that scene to say what you know because if, if I I don't know if I closed my eyes or kept one eye open but I'm like okay now I want to see what I was missing <laughs> I remember this scene but now I remember it sort of out of one eye and kind of half closed so let me just get a look at this scene now with two eyes wide open and of course it wasn't it wasn't all that uh, earth shattering but as I said before as a ten year old it certainly was. So I've been going to movies for a long time, and I do believe that that exposure to movies at such a young age, including Disney films, still love Jungle Book, know it by heart, still love Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, all these movies I remember as a little kid, still love Willy Wonka, still love um, Dr. Doolittle with Rex Harrison. Those were all movies that I remember seeing as a little kid. And then I would have, and, and then my, and then I, my love for music was born out of that too, because I have all those original soundtracks from those movies too. So not only did I like those movies, but then I went back. So I, I still love to to sing Bare Necessities from Jungle Book, or you know, Pure Imagination from Willy Wonka, or the Chitty Chitty Oh You Chitty Chitty Bang Bang Chitty Chitty Bang Bang We Love You, and Oh Chitty Chitty Bang Bang Chitty Chitty Bang Bang Loves You Too. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, like I said, Willy Wonka and, uh, and if I could talk to the animals, just think of it, you know, Rex Harrison did that talk singing thing. So I still remember those. And, uh, and I really believe in, and I went on to, uh, be, I was a, 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 I I was a, a write, I used to write stories and still do sometimes about movies and I was a, a movie reviewer. I was a movie columnist. 
I was a member of the Chicago Film Critics for several years. I edited a, a Hollywood movie magazine. I was a managing editor of that. So I was, I mean, it, 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 in many ways, it was, my, it was my career for many years. And even now, I still write stories about pop culture and movies and, and talk about it. So uh, as I, my point is that you're talking to somebody here who has a, a love of films, appreciation of films. Movies have been a major part of my life for, you know, as I'm just telling you now, some of my, my earliest life memories have to do with movies. And yet here I sit now, and I'm saying, I'm not feeling the same way about movies anymore. I used to think, and I used to say this, and it's not some something profound. You hear it all the time now. But I, I, I remember saying this 15 to 20 years ago on the radio and stuff. Um, you know that these for for people like me, the Oscars were were like the Super Bowl. That one day, that one event. That everybody watched, everybody was excited about, and there was a horse race, and which one's going to win? And um, I was so into it for many years, uh, the horse race of it, and the and the fun of predicting it. That I used to, um, and this is you know, thirty some years ago, before the internet and all that stuff. I used to take like say the top five or six categories the 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 four major acting categories the best picture and the best director so those six categories the main six and i would create i would uh type up on a typewriter (laughs) with real paper the envelopes for each winner and I would actually have the sheet that's inside the envelope. On the outside of the envelope, it would say, you know, best picture, best actor. And then inside, sealed, there would be, and the Oscar goes to, and I would have my prediction typed out in there, and it would be sealed in the envelope. And I would give those six envelopes to my wife. And as we watched the Oscars, she would open up the envelope, and I would match my prediction which so as as the presenter was opening the envelope to announce the oscar winner my wife was opening up my envelope with my prediction and my oscar winner so that's how into it i was so when i talk about right now about wow it seems to me like the oscars have lost a lot of their prestige i think i say that from a from a from a from a perspective or a standpoint of somebody who loved the Oscars, who got way into the Oscars, who 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 enjoyed the the uh, the excitement and the anticipation of it, who saw all the Oscar nominees every year, and who felt like he had a vested interest in who won and getting those predictions right. Uh, it was it was interactive before it was, before there was anything known as interactivity. <laughs> I was creating my own interactive uh, platform at home with my typewriter in my envelopes, and so I'm actually sad to see how the Oscars, in my view, have lost their importance and lost their prestige. 
which I believe is an outgrowth of the overall of how movies have lost that specialness because of the fact. And it's not just the delivery system. There's, As I said before, I think that's a major reason. There was something special. There was something exclusive. There was something enhanced. You had to go to a movie theater to see that movie. And now you don't. Now you can just, for the most part, you can sit at home and watch it. So that aspect is gone. But I also believe, so you can blame, you can blame the delivery service, how we get films, how we consume them at home now versus going to the theater exclusively. But I also think that Hollywood deserves some blame because uh, they have totally changed the game based on what type of movies get made. There was a time when movies were an adult-oriented medium movies were meant were made for adults there were always there were always kid movies don't get me wrong as i said before there were disney things and cartoons and and screwball comedies that kids could see and animated films so yes there were always children films but 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 they were but they were they were they were just that and sometimes they they crossed the lines, and, and adults could appreciate them too. But as I said before, you look at the 70s, which is still hailed as one of the best eras, the early 70s. Uh, some of the best movies ever made came from that period, some say 19, you know, 68, 69 through maybe 75, 76. Some of the best movies that are still considered the best movies today were made during that time, and some of the best filmmakers like Martin Scorsese and... Um, and Francis Ford Coppola, you know, The Godfather, Mean Streets, Taxi Driver, you know, Bonnie and Clyde. You know, these movies are still hailed as some of the best movies ever made. French Connection, all in that period there. Very um, real films, some great acting, great directing, and, 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 and poignant and engaging Stories, Network, oh, Patty Chayefsky, Network, Sidney, Sidney Lumet. Uh, that movie today, if you've never seen Network, you owe it to yourself to see the movie Network from 1976 because uh, what that movie predicted back then, what came, and it was a satire, and yet it, all, it almost became true. It, it did become true in many ways. It was so it, it it was so ahead of its time and and as far as what it saw uh, TV and TV news where it was and where it was going and it it, it nailed it network 1976 Peter Finch as Howard Beale I'm as mad as hell I'm not going to take it anymore <laughs> so uh, it is sad to see for me to see the Oscars losing their relevance but i i just wonder now i mean do you care about the oscars do you really care 
Do you watch it out of obligation? Do you watch it out of well, you know, to see what someone's going to let's see what's going to happen and let's see, you know, what person what they're wearing or something? Are you more interested in the red carpet or are you interested in the actual ceremony? I mean, over the last 15, 20 years, these ceremonies have become so bloated. Over the last 50 years, I mean, sometimes these things have gone four hours. And they've, you know, in, in, a, in a internet world, they are struggling. You know, how do we, you know, they're always trying to be, you know, relevant and, and on the cutting edge. And they're trying to go viral and they're speaking to you know, the different platforms and, you know, they're trying to be funny. They're, they're trying to be everything and they wind up not being anything at all. It's an award show. Just give out the awards. But then if you remember in 2020, when they just gave out the awards, it was so boring. I don't think anyone cared. <laughs> so I don't know if there's a right way or a wrong way to do it. But it starts and ends with the movies themselves. That's what creates the Oscars. The horse race. When there are great movies and great performances and great directing by several, four to five, six, seven, eight movies, that's what creates the, the, the interest and the anticipation and you wanting to watch this and you'll sit through all the other BS that they do on that ceremony to hear that winner. Remember a few years ago, the, you know, Warren Beatty read the wrong winner. I mean, my gosh, you talk about losing your relevance. Yeah, the Oscars have been through some, some interesting <laughs> pitfalls the last, uh, you know, 10, 15 years. But, um, but now whether it's been, you know, claims of racism or misogyny, it's never been about apathy. And that is the problem right now. I think there's apathy toward the Oscars, and I don't know how it comes back. I don't know how that apathy ends. I don't know how movies and the Oscars get that buzz back. Because if movies continue to be shown at home, they were going to lose that specialness. And if the movies lose that specialness, then the Oscars have to lose that specialness. And what was once a major, major annual event that had ratings of billions around the world, and it had Super Bowl-like numbers. It used to surpass the Super Bowl. It used to be the most watched event on television were the Academy Awards every year. It's only been the last 20 years or so where the, the Super Bowl is, is just hyped up and, and amplified the you know its, its, its image where the Super Bowl is the most watched event now on American television, but it used to be the Academy Awards going away. There was a, there was an excitement. There was a glamour. Uh, there was the, about the movies. Everybody was invested. People saw the movies. They rooted for movies. They predicted movies. And now I'm just hearing or feeling a, what? 
I don't think the last couple. I mean, I mean, I guess they have to have a, a Oscars, right? And this year they're touting the fact that we're going to get back to normal. There's no more. You know, it's going to be in person. You know, uh, no masks. It's it's the Oscars show again. You know, they've gone through many incarnations. You know, during COVID here to try to to stay safe as well as put on an entertaining show. They failed for two years in a row. And now the goal is, you know, it's back to normal. There's only one thing missing. Nobody, nobody's excited about these movies. Nobody's excited about any of the performances. That's, what's, that's the engine that drives the Oscars. So you've got a twofold problem here. You've got the movie industry, you know, suffering and and in a, in, a, in the doldrums and in a slump. Part of it because of COVID, but also part of it because Hollywood itself has betrayed a great portion of its audience. The majority of movies made today are 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 either aimed at little kids, animated films real small kids or arrested development kids <laughs> teenagers and people in their 30s and 40s who buy comic books and still want to you know watch you know superheroes and now those kids are getting in their 50s too by the way they're not kids anymore but basically we've got two major kind of movies that drive the hollywood business right now Kids' movies, animated movies, which are a goldmine because parents want to take their kids to movies. And Canto is the big one now, of course. Um, you know, and Toy Story and all the Pixar films. And as I said before that, there was, you know, Snow White and, and, uh, <laughs> and when I was a kid, Jungle Book. And so kids' movies always been popular, but not like they are now. But they, but those are really aimed at kids, animated kids movies or animated adult movies, which is what all these superhero movies are. And sadly, lost in the shuffle are dramas and comedies, and surprisingly, even romantic comedies, which used to be a a major deal. Even those are falling by the wayside and not doing as well as people used to think they were. Although, you know, the young women would take their you know boyfriends on date nights, and those th- those aren't even doing well anymore. You know, your love actuallys and all those rom-coms, you know, Pretty Woman. You know, I mean, Julia Roberts made a career on those movies. You don't even see those anymore. You see those on on the Hallmark Channel more than you see them at the films, at the movie theaters anymore. So the the theaters, the the, the producers, the studios have gone for the easy money, which is reflected in the box office. I, I understand why they're going for that, but they have betrayed and neglected an audience that helped create the business over the last 40 years. People in their, you know, 40s and 50s and 60s and even 70s who have been going to movies for most of their lives and 
but they're, they they want to see a good comedy or a good drama, and that just doesn't pay the rent anymore. And so you do see those mostly now on television. They they become episodic TV, uh, you know, episodic shows as opposed to first run two hour movies. And I know, speaking to, for myself, I would love to go to the movies again, but give me something to see because I'm not going to see. You know, Avengers. I'm not going to see Iron Man. I'm not going to see all that stuff. Now you say, well, then, Jim, did you go and see Belfast? Did you see Power of the Dog? Did you see West Side Story? Did you see Licorice Pizza? Did you see King Richard? Did you see Coda? Did you see Nightmare Alley? Did you see Dune? Did you see Drive My Car? Did you see Don't Look Up? I can honestly say that of those movies, I only saw one, and it's because it was on television. Those were are all the nominees for Best Picture, but I don't know if any of those really grabbed my interest enough to have gone to see them at the theater. I They're probably all very good films, but I don't know if any of those films are going to wind up, we're still going to be talking about those films 40 years from now. Like we're, we're still talking about The Godfather. This is the 50th anniversary of The Godfather. We're still talking about it. I could still watch that movie from beginning to end. I know all the dialogue. It doesn't matter. I can still, and I'm still finding things about it. I'm still seeing new things 50 years later. Are we going to be talking about Power of the Dog? Did, did, do you remember Nomadland? That was the best picture lecture. Do you, do you, if, are we still talking about that movie? Are we talking about Parasite anymore? Is anybody talking about Parasite? This is my point. Yes, every year there is a best film, but are they great films? Are they Mean Streets? Are they Network? Are they Bonnie and Clyde? Are they The Godfather? Are they The French Connection? Are they Dog Day Afternoon? I don't know. I don't think so. So Hollywood is responsible for the shape the movie business is in. And Hollywood is, in, is responsible for the state of the Oscars. I don't even think... Now the, the you know so so now of course this year there are uh you know they are trying to be as diverse as possible the leading the leading person who's probably going to win the academy award and I, and and don't forget now this is posting on monday so the academy awards are in are yesterday when i'm recording this they haven't happened yet so i don't know who's going to win just let me give you that but all bets are on Jane Campion for winning for Power of the Dog, for being Best Director. There's a woman. The hosts, three women. Two African-American and one white woman. Wanda Sykes, Amy Schumer, Regina Hall. One is a lesbian, one is a new mom, and one is an African-American uh, actress. So they're... 
They're spanning many of the genres and many of the groups here. Three women. So they can't be accused, right, of, of, of not elevating women, not showcasing women. The, 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 the Jane Campion, most likely, at the very least, uh, has won several awards already for Power of the Dog. She's the leading uh, you know, favorite to win Best Director, so that will be huge. For Best Actress, we've got uh, you know, Nicole Kidman, for playing Lucy, three of three of the uh, the nominees are playing real women. Once again, exalting real women, not just fictional people. Jessica Chastain playing Tammy Faye Baker. Nicole Kidman playing Lucille Ball. So, uh, and um, and Kristen Stewart playing uh, Lady Diana. Exalting real women, powerful women, popular women, culturally important women, strong, bold women. Odds on favorite to win Best Actor is probably Will Smith for King Richard playing the father of the Williams sisters, the tennis players. So once again, if the Academy Awards have been criticized for not recognizing African-Americans, for not recognizing women, as it stands right now, Will Smith could win, odds on favorite, maybe maybe Benedict Cumberbatch for Power of the Dog, but Will Smith has won some awards already for King Richard, so there's your African-American. The hosts, two African-American, three women, two African-American. And best actor, uh, best uh, director could be a woman. So it's already shaping up to be possible winners will be hitting all those areas where the Academy Awards in the past have been accused of neglecting or overlooking. But the real question is, does it matter? Does it matter? Have movies lost their luster? Have the Academy Awards lost their luster? If, 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 if you tell me that you only watch the Academy Awards because you like to watch the dresses, you like to see the interview shows, then you're not, then that's not, you're not watching it for the movies. You're not watching for the main thing. You're watching the sideshow. You're watching the spectacle, but you're not watching the awards. You're not watching the main thrust of it, the celebration of movies and the best movies of the year and the best performances of the year that used to be the guiding force of why we watched. In the last 20 years, maybe even longer, it has not been the movies themselves. The movies have been diluted, and we've got, and they've been slowly diluted and slowly diluted to the point we get to this point now. When I read off that list to you, Belfast, Coda, Don't Look Up, Drive My Car, Dune, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, Power of the Dog, West Side Story, Nightmare Alley, when I read that list off, 
Do you get goosebumps? Do you get excited by any of those? Do you, do you are you rooting for somebody? Are you gonna are you gonna sit home and make up envelopes and put the winners in them and seal them and give them to your significant other to open while they're? Do you, I mean, are you that into it, or are those movies gonna come and go? And next year you won't even remember them. I don't know what the answer is, but I'll be honest with you. I I I'm probably going to for the first time, record the Oscars, but I don't know if I'm going to be watching them. Now, and this year, there are even a lot of controversy. They're eliminating some of the categories that they will televise to keep the show tighter and, and more, um, you know, and, and more on time so it's not as bloated and it's more interesting, which got a lot of controversy. So just like the Grammys have become less about the awards and more about the performances... The Oscars are now making changes and becoming more cognizant of the ratings and what the audience wants as opposed to the actual ceremony itself. It's always been a mixed bag, but what's always saved it is the horse race, are the great movies and the great performances. And COVID certainly has cut into the great movies and the great performances of things that have been made or have been able to make. But also Hollywood has, has slit its own throat in many ways by going for the, the purely now for the big bucks rather than making the best movies possible. They're just making the best money-making movies possible. And so we sit here with the Academy Awards once, one time, one of the the most watched, most exciting nights of television viewing. Always looked forward to it. In 2022, I'll probably DVR it and fast forward through it until I get to Best Picture. And so ends another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Don't forget every Monday a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com. Or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast, we are there. And don't forget, tell your friends, tell your family, send them a link, send them a message, tell them that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic, and it should be theirs too. Your loyalty and devotion is much appreciated. Hope you enjoyed episode number 305. I'm Jim Toronto. I ain't here on business. I'm only here for fun. You've been listening to Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic from the end of the web to your screen. And the Oscar goes to...